I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Hope you're good. Hope you're well. Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of, of course, the 90 Min football family. Apologies for the delay in starting the stream. I might have broken my own record, as some of you have pointed out in the live chat in terms of lateness. But um, out of my hands today, I have to say, I was sitting in, in place at my desk, ready to record. And then uh, one of the pieces of software that I like to use um, just wouldn't open. Uh, no idea why, but I ended up having to restart the laptop and then I had to log back into StreamYard and bring up the tabs that I wanted uh, to use and then find my notes for the episode again. And yeah, it just all um, basically became a, a, a pain in the ass, basically. And so here I am sitting here late and I do apologize uh, to those of you that have been waiting patiently in the live chat. If you're watching this back later or listening to it on audio, you won't have a clue uh, what I'm on about. So just don't worry about it. Uh, let me um, say hello uh, to some of you guys in the live chat box. Uh, we've got Stephen. Uh, we've got Mohammed. We've got Viju. Afsar is with us. Raphael is here. Uh, we've got Glenn uh, Owen, uh, who says, what's closer than close? Yep. In regards to the Declan Rice thing, we'll get onto that in a minute. It is driving me a, a little bit mad now. Uh, i got to say, we've got Damien. We've got uh, Halo. We've got Latvian Guna. We've got Tezzy May. Uh, we've got Canterbury Guna, we've got uh, Charles Aaron, uh, who else we've got? Chima's in there. Uh, Owen says, when you have kids, no timing is certain true. Uh, Carrie Tanninen says, is Harry having a poo? I wasn't. I wasn't. Um, <laughs> but even if I was, I wasn't going to tell you, was I? Um, we've got uh, Jim, uh, who says, late again, Tom is always on time. Tom is a much more punctual guy than me, and Tom is not Greek, right? It's in my DNA to be late. It is in my DNA to be really casual about timings. That's just how it goes. Um, Nikki says, I have a seat on the train uh, on the way home so you can start now. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, good to see you uh, in the live chat as well. And a big hello to everybody else too uh, joining us. Look, before we dive into it, uh, please do leave a like on the video. It really, really does help. Subscribe to the channel if you're new, all the rest of it. You know the drill by now. Um, and uh, looking forward to getting into this one. It's going to be another jam-packed show. Uh, we've also got a piece of members content dropping a little bit later on today um, over on the Another Slice platform. So if you're not signed up over there and you want to A, support the Chronicles of Aguna podcast and B, get access to more content, then you can sign up via the link in the description below. Any questions uh, on that, feel free uh, to drop me a DM and I'll be able to help you out. But there's another piece dropping later. In fact, I'll tell you what that's about a little bit later on as well. Um, but yeah, let's get into uh, the big stories. Let's get into what's doing the rounds right now with regards to the mighty Arsenal. So according to multiple sources, the Declan Rice deal is getting close. How close? Because it feels like we've been hearing this for an age. Um, some people are saying that um, th there is obviously closures at Arsenal Stadium with regards to some of the tours that would normally be going on. Some people are suggesting that that's because Arsenal want to use the stadium to film announcement videos and all the rest of it. Uh, the truth is, I don't know uh, whether that's the case or not. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll have to uh, wait and see if that materialises. But look, the Declan Rice thing was close on Friday. It's Monday. Haven't really heard any significant update over the course of the weekend. 
we heard that there were still negotiations, discussions ongoing with regards to, of course, the payment structure and how that was all going to be worked out. At the moment, um, we don't know anything more. If Arsenal are planning to film announcement videos, if you believe that that's the reason the stadium tours have been cancelled or not cancelled, but closed and, and you can't go on them at that time and, and over the next few days, then, you know, maybe there's some truth in it. But at this moment in time, I don't know anything about the Declan Rice thing. All I know is that negotiations were ongoing with regards to the payment structure, where that's got to up until this stage. I just don't know. I just don't know. We just seem to get updates that don't actually provide any update over and over and over again. And not only do we get them from people like Fabrizio Romano, who, you know, he's great at what he does, but come on, he puts a load of tweets out that really don't say anything different from the previous ones uh, a lot of the time. And that can be frustrating. I know it drives engagement. I know it drives clicks. And that's the whole point of it. Um, and I get all of that because I live in a world where I make content. I, I understand that's how it works, but it can become a little bit tedious and it can sort of dilute, in my opinion, the excitement of a big transfer. There are other accounts on social media accounts that I wouldn't class necessarily as reputable sources, not because I know they're bad, but just because I don't know that they're good. I don't know that they've um, got info are, are doing the same thing, exclusive here, exclusive there. It just baffles me how people fall for that stuff. Like a lot of the time, it's just nonsense. Like I get like messages um, from like random people that I don't even know uh, on social media sometimes telling me, I know this, you should run this story. And I'm like, mate, like I, no offense, like, but I don't know you and I'm not going to go out there and run a story based off of a random Twitter DM that came in on a faceless anonymous account. But it's just the way sort of the transfer window has become. And we'll talk a little bit um, later on about sort of all of that stuff. And, and we'll sort of relate it back to the news that, well, not the news, but the fact that Sol Campbell signed for Arsenal 22 years ago to the day and nobody knew a thing about it in the build-up, which was amazing. And um, we'll get on to all of that. But look, Declan Rice, no updates at the moment. Um, we heard that the talks were progressing positively uh, going into the weekend. You'd hope that they'd have done the deal by now. And you'd hope that this week we're going to get that confirmation that Declan Rice is, of course, an Arsenal player. I know people are sitting there saying, well, why is it taking so long? And why is it always Arsenal that takes so long? As I kind of mentioned last week, I think the fact that Manchester City pulled out of the race. The fact that Manchester City uh, sort of withdrew from the equation in the way that they did has meant that there doesn't need to be that urgency anymore. And there doesn't need to be that real sort of foot on the gas kind of approach. This is something that will, I think, now coast and cruise towards a conclusion because Arsenal will be confident that Declan Rice wants them. That's not an issue. And so now it's about doing the deal with West Ham. The The premise of, um, you know, of the dealings is is already there. The structure is already there in terms of how much Arsenal are going to pay. Just the finer details need ironing out. And when they get ironed out, then we're going to have this deal and it's going to be done. So, as I say, there's no real major panic around this now, which is naturally going to slow things down just a little bit more. Um Thank you so much for your kind donation, uh, Oxymato. He says, uh, imagine a double announcement, Timber and Rice. I feel like the Declan Rice signing is such a big one 
that I almost don't want that to be as part of a double announcement. I think it deserves its own coverage. The Timber one too, uh, because I think that that is also a really significant signing that's maybe gone under the radar a little bit because of the Rice talk and because of the Havertz stuff and all the rest of it. But I think they're both big major signings in their own right. And I think they both deserve their own uh, announcements, uh, in my opinion. Anyway, um, right. That's the bit on Declan Rice. Nothing really to tell you at this moment in time. Some are suggesting online that we might even get an announcement as early as today. I'm not sure uh, I expect that. Um, I think that we'll, we might get an announcement from a David Ornstein, for example, saying that everything's done and it's just a matter of time now. Uh, that would be positive in itself. But in terms of a club official announcement, interviews, pictures, all the rest of it, I don't think it's going to be today. Um, I could be wrong. If it is, that would mean that Arsenal have worked on this over the weekend. And to my knowledge, that hasn't been the case. But, you know, I could be wrong, as I say. Um, I'm not claiming to be uh, ITK or anything like that. Uh, so uh, don't quote me on that stuff. But anyway, um, let's move on to talk a little bit about uh, Romeo Lavia, a player that we've been linked with now for a few weeks, uh, obviously uh, relegated with Southampton, a player that shone brightly, I think, in a, a really poor Southampton side, a player that is expected to move on this summer one way or the other. Um, too good for the championship. I think we can all agree on that. Uh, really, really composed in possession. Uh, has a lot of physical attributes that make him a really good fit in the Premier League. Still a little bit rough around the edges, and I've said that throughout uh, when it comes to um, to Romeo Lavia. And I questioned whether going out and getting Romeo Lavia was going to make us a better team in the sort of short term than keeping hold of Thomas Partey. I don't believe that getting Romeo Lavia today instantly makes us a better team. I think Romeo Lavia has got potential. I think he's got everything you need to go on and become a really, really good player. And I think under Mikel Arteta's tutelage, I think he can get there. But I've said it before and I'll say it again. You know, it's not just about the future all the time. Like, yes, the future is important and we need to plan well for the future because of how we operate as a football club, because of the, the way we run financially, all of the rest of it. I like Romeo Lavia, but at 50-odd million pounds, which is rumoured to be what Southampton are asking for, I don't think that that guarantees us being a better team next season. And actually, I'd probably want to try and keep hold of Thomas Partey for one more season. Um, and if it means, you know, losing him in a cut price deal next summer, then so be it. Because I think although we've been building for the future, although we've been identifying players of a certain age profile with the idea of creating this squad and this group that will be useful to Mikel Arteta and to the football club and hold its value for a number of years, I do think we need to focus on the here and now as well. And a fit Thomas Partey is still a better central midfield player than a fit Romeo Lavia right now. Now, that might not be the case in a year, in two years, in three years, but right now it is. And, and it goes back to the point I keep making about this idea of, you know, wanting to build on top of the midfield that we have rather than ripping it out and starting again. I don't know that that's the, the right thing to do. I think we need a bit of experience. We need a bit of know-how. We need players that have been around the block to help us in those difficult moments. I think Thomas Partey, when he's performing, is one of them. There is concern about the way his performance has dropped off at the back end of last season. But, you know, I don't know that that's enough to completely change my opinion of him, given how good he's been 
over the last two, three seasons when he has, of course, been available. Availability has been the big issue with Thomas Partey, hasn't it? And the big concern. But yeah, I'd keep hold of him if possible. We know that there's interest from Italy. We know that there's interest from Saudi Arabia. But to my knowledge and, and based on what I've been reading over the past couple of days, I don't think any of that's turned into a concrete offer. So I think Arsenal will be open to the possibility of allowing Thomas Partey to leave. But is this one that's going to materialise? You've got to remember as well, he's going to want big wages because he's on big wages at Arsenal. Now, for the Saudis, you'd imagine that that's not going to be a problem. But uh, for Juventus, that would be an issue. Uh, Juventus would need to stump up a fee that would tempt Arsenal into doing this bit of business. And again, I don't believe Juventus have that capability. Juventus aren't in the Champions League next season, all the rest of it. So, yeah, I, I think this is a, a really, really interesting one, um, what happens with Thomas Partey. I'd love him and Granit Xhaka to stay. I can't see them both staying just based on the state of play at the moment. I hope I'm wrong because I think they would give us, you know, some continuity from what went well last season, but also the strength and depth that we're going to need uh, moving forward and given that we want to compete on multiple fronts. So, yeah, um, that's where I'm at on the whole Thomas Partey thing. But taking it back to... Romeo Lavia. Now, it's rumoured that Liverpool are preparing a bid uh, for uh, the Southampton man, which is going to cost them around or, or said to be worth, I should say, around about 50 odd million pounds. That is pretty much on the nose what Southampton are looking for. And I think that if Liverpool stump up that money, they get Romeo Lavia. Now, I actually think Arsenal right now is a bigger appeal than Liverpool Football Club because you know, we finished so clear of them last season. There's a lot of excitement around where the Arsenal project is going to go next. Whereas at Liverpool, it, it sort of felt like last season they'd come to the end of the cycle. And now they're in a bit of a transition phase where they're trying to rebuild key areas of the team in order to get up and go again. I know a lot of people say that they're going to come good next season and maybe they will. But I think Arsenal would appeal to me more um, if I were a young player looking for my next move. Um, you know, that, that's that's the way I see it at present. So maybe Romeo Lavia would pick Arsenal over Liverpool if both offers were on the table. But at this moment in time, as we keep being told, Arsenal haven't made a bid for Romeo Lavia. Arsenal have expressed some form of interest in a verbal capacity, but there's nothing beyond that uh, for Romeo Lavia to sort of really hold on to. As far as we know, have Arsenal told him, look, hold, hold fire you know, we're going to get the rice deal done, the, the timber deal done, and then we're coming for you next. Is it one of those situations? I really don't know. But I, I think I'm a bit torn on this one because there's a part of me that looks at him and thinks real talent, player that can go on to the next level, player that could potentially be great. And so I don't want to miss out on that. But there's also a part of me that isn't convinced that him coming in improves us a lot tomorrow. And that also puts me off the deal if it's going to cost 50 plus million pounds. So I'm, I have to say I'm really, really torn uh, on this one. I'm interested to know what you guys think from the live chat. And um, and uh, I'll read out some of your comments on that uh, as soon as you get them uh, in there. Um, let's see what you guys are saying on this. Uh, what else have we got? Um, Afsar says, Partey is world class. We must keep. I genuinely do think that when Thomas Partey is fit and is anywhere close to his best, he is world-class. Problem was, we didn't see that at the back end of last season. We saw a massive drop-off. But again, like maybe it's me being too pragmatic. Maybe it's me thinking that 
if we lose him, we won't necessarily have money to go and buy another ready-made midfield player. If Arsenal think they have that or think that Romeo Lavia is ready to come in and do that role today, then I'm kind of willing to to put my trust in their hands. But I just, I don't know. I'm not sure about keeping Thomas Partey. We've talked about it before. If there are other reasons, um, which we're not going to get into, for Arsenal being open to moving Thomas Partey on, then that changes things. But from a purely footballing perspective, I think it weakens our squad if we lose a player of that calibre, of that quality, of that age, of that experience. Um, and we sort of strip it right back down to kind of a younger level and a level yeah, which there's much less experience in terms of our overall midfield. Um, what else have we got? Uh, Kenny says, uh, did you see Partey training in Ghana? He's working so hard. It seems he was injured before now. There were rumours that he had some sort of injury problem, some sort of issue um, which hampered his form at the back end of the last season. But Arsenal could have quite easily come out and said that, you know, especially when they took him out of the team. They could have said, you know, Thomas has been struggling with this issue for X amount of time. And I think people would be a lot more understanding if that were the case. But then I, I guess maybe they'll feel that that would be throwing the manager under the bus, you know, and, and maybe Jorginho under the bus. Maybe people would say, well, hold on a minute. If he wasn't fit, Mikel, why were you picking him? And B, what does that say about Jorginho if Mikel still picked a half-fit Thomas Partey in front of him? These are all things you have to factor in as well. Uh, Stuart, thank you so, so much for your very kind Super Chat donation. Says, I hear that Lavia has done a medical. I can see one of Partey or Xhaka staying. If not both, Arteta is playing mind games. Your thoughts? Um, I can't see them both staying at this stage just because the noise around the, their possible departures is so loud. It's difficult to ignore that. The Granite Xhaka thing, I've told you this story before, but he did come over to everybody sort of in the press section after the Wolves game on the final day of the season and said, look, guys, thank you. Um, you know, it's been good times, bad times, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you so much, which kind of felt like a goodbye. Never denied that he was leaving, but in that same sort of, afternoon, Mikel Arteta just literally shut down any questions of Granit Xhaka leaving as if to say that's not decided just yet, you know, contrary to what the reports were saying. Um, you know, I think Mikel Arteta will be trying to convince Granit Xhaka to stay. I really do. Um, whether he can do that remains to be seen. Whether the factors that we believe are key in Granit Xhaka's desire to go back to Germany are, are, are too strong for Mikel Arteta to be able to turn the tide back against. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know that Lavia's had a medical, by the way, um, in reference to that part of your comment. Um, so, yeah, we're going to have to wait and see on this. Arsenal, it feels like, are in danger of missing out on Romeo Lavia because it feels like Liverpool have, have got their their asses in gear and are ready to really push for this one. Whereas Arsenal are still a little bit hesitant, perhaps because of um, of the situation regarding Declan Rice and Yuri and Timber. Maybe they're going to push hard after that. I don't know. I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. Okay. Uh, that's the bit on uh, Romeo Lavia for me. Um, let's take a few more of your comments and thoughts um, on here. Uh, Ash says, if we want to get rid of Partey, we need to do it ASAP so that we can get a pick of our top targets. Uh, Carrie Tynan says, who would you keep, Xhaka or Partey? Um, I'd probably keep Granite Xhaka. 
because of other factors as well. Um, but I think they're both good players and, and in an ideal world, I'd like to keep both of them. But I know that may not be possible. Uh, what else have we got with regards to this midfield conundrum? Um, Halo says, uh, I think 50 million is too much to use on a redundant player. That money is better used on a quality defender. Maybe that maybe Timber is um, the one that we've gone for instead of Lavia. And that's why there hasn't been an offer or a bid yet for him. I, I don't know that. I'm speculating, of course. But I agree with you that we can't really afford to spend, I beg your pardon, 50 odd million pounds on a player that probably isn't ready to come in and help the team tomorrow or, or take the team to the next level. Uh, big thank you to Ash uh, for your super chat donation. Really, really appreciate it, mate. Um, Hawkeye says, I was at the Saints versus Fulham game and Lavia was pony in that game. I saw Southampton a few times this season as well. The, tw the two times they played Arsenal, uh, I saw them live and I saw them, where did I see them? I saw them at Fulham, I think. Um, I think I was reporting on that game. Might have seen them at Brentford. Can't remember. Um, but I definitely saw them at least three or four times uh, live in the flesh this season. Romeo Lavia stood out at times, but this this goes back to what I was saying before. Good player, plenty of talent. But is he at the level where you know what you're going to get 100% from him every single week? And therefore, can you afford to drop that sort of money on him? And is he going to come in and impact the side instantly? I still have serious questions about that. Andy Jackson says, Arsenal are more appealing than Liverpool. Come on, man. I think right now they are. Yeah, I think today they are. Um, that's not been the case over the last five, six years. Um, granted, you know, I'll be the first to say that. But I think in the last... 12 months, Arsenal have come on leaps and bounds and Liverpool have seemingly regressed. So why wouldn't they be uh, of a bigger appeal? I think that all we hear about Liverpool is that they've got, um, you know, financial this and financial that, and they're working under this constraint and under that constraint. Don't know how true that is because they still seem to be able to fork out big amounts of money on players. But yeah, I, I think Arsenal is as big an appeal. Um, if not a bigger appeal than Liverpool right now. In fact, I do think that Arsenal is a bigger appeal today as we speak on this. That might not always be the case. Hasn't been the case over the last few years, but it certainly is for me uh, right now. Someone's just asked me if I've got that little granite Xhaka uh, thing on my desk somewhere. I did have it. I'm, I'm looking around for it right now. I don't know where it's disappeared to. Has my son had it or something? I don't know. Hmm. Anyway, it's somewhere. Um, maybe my little boy's been in here and um, and uh, playing. He does like to come in here and sort of scribble all over my notepads, meaning that when I go to open them to do some actual work, there's no space in them. Uh, so I wouldn't put it past him having uh, nicked my Granite Xhaka figurine. The damn pot's got me. Anyway, uh, right, okay. Um, let's take a very, very short pause, and we're going to talk 22 years ago to the day. Sol Campbell joined. We'll be talking about that, but also how the footballing landscape has changed in terms of the way uh, we take in um, transfer news. We'll also touch on Cesc Fabregas, who retired over the weekend, and then we'll take your questions and thoughts from the live chat. Don't go anywhere. Okay, we are back. Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90-min football family, of course. Uh, if you haven't done so already, please do leave a like on the video. Let's check in where we're at on the likes. 
We haven't even got 100 on the board yet. Come on, guys. What are we waiting for? Uh, like, subscribe, all the rest of it really, really does help. And um, yeah, let's um, let's get into the next part of the show. Let's talk uh, Sol Campbell because 22 years ago, he joined Arsenal uh, from Tottenham Hotspur. Now, some of you will be too young to remember this. And um, and no matter how I speak about it or how much I try, I don't think I'm going to be able to put the feeling that I experienced that day into words because this was just unbelievable. Sol Campbell was the one player at Tottenham that you looked at and thought, he's top class. And you always got the feeling that at some point, Sol Campbell would have to move on if he wanted to achieve his own personal ambitions. And I remember at the time, there was a lot of controversy around his contract. Um, and I think in the January prior to him leaving, he was asked about that. The fact that his contract at Arsenal was was heading towards his at Arsenal, at Tottenham, I beg your pardon, was heading towards his expiration. And he said, I'm staying. He said, I'm staying. But somewhere in between January and the end of the season, um, Arsenal managed to get in there. David Dean has told the story about sort of walking around his back garden with Sol Campbell negotiating so that nobody would catch them. It had to be in darkness and all the rest of it. Um, and yeah, and and I remember sort of Arsene Wenger, um, who's told the story since calling a press conference. People thought that he was going to announce the signing of a youngster, all the rest of it. Only two journalists turned up and they were delighted, actually, that they were the ones with the big scoop because Sol Campbell had joined the Arsenal. And you sort of remember the, the first meetings with Spurs after that. I'll always remember the first trip to White Hart Lane after he joined us and the hostility that he faced. I don't think I've ever experienced anything like that in person. Um, not in this country anyway. It was unbelievable. But the reason I bring this up, I know everybody seems to be talking about it today in a kind of in the Arsenal circles. But the reason I bring this up is because this really does highlight, I think, how things have changed in terms of the way we as fans consume football. Um, if you go back to those times, you know, you didn't know something was coming. There wasn't weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of speculation about a deal. And it was very much a case of, for me, getting home from school, jumping onto CFAX. Has anything happened? Yes, no, um, maybe. Um, but there wasn't any of that kind of, you know, that, you know, like what we get today, like what I touched on earlier, like updates that aren't really actually updates. There wasn't any of that back then. Um, and it was nice because you'd focus on the football more than anything else. You wouldn't get wrapped up and caught up in transfer speculation all the time. Your summer was was nice because you got to go off and enjoy your summer and recharge for the new football season without that sort of feeling of needing to be across it all of the time. And yeah, look, football nowadays doesn't stop. And, and in some people's eyes, that's a good thing. But I also think it was nice at times to be able to just switch off from what was happening, check the news every couple of days, read the morning papers, all the rest of it. But you were able to detach yourself from what can be a really, really stressful hobby. Um, nowadays though, you know, the summer's come and I'm probably on Twitter and on my phone more than I have been throughout the season. And that isn't healthy to never be able to switch off. And that is a, a byproduct of this, you know, obsession we have nowadays as people with information, like we need it and we need it tomorrow. We need it 
straight away. You know, it's it, 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 sorry, we need it yesterday, not tomorrow. Um, it, it's just too much. Like to, it is too much, and um, it got me thinking. You know, it it does dilute the excitement. Like for example, the Declan Rice thing. Right, we've known that Arsenal have been trying to do this for weeks. Okay, we've gone on a different journey because we've gone from confident it's going to happen to worrying about Manchester City's interest, to them pulling out, to being confident again, and now to a point where we're like, okay, it's pretty much done, but when is it actually going to be finalised and and when are we going to get that official announcement? But when that Declan Rice announcement comes out, I'm going to be happy, obviously, but is it going to be as exciting as it would have been had I not known of the interest or had I not got sick of reading update, I say update, after update, after update, which actually didn't tell me anything and got me to a point where I was actually, in the end, frustrated about how long it was taking. Like, there's no denying it. That stuff, it does dilute the excitement of a transfer and of an incoming. You cannot beat the picking up the paper on a Tuesday morning and reading that Arsenal are closing in on Declan Rice and then the next day it's done. Like, it's just a sign of the times. And, um, you know, there wasn't people pretending that they were in the know. There wasn't any of that. And I liked it, you know, and I liked it. Maybe it's because I'm old and maybe people prefer it the way it is now. But there is a part of me that tries to switch off during the summer because I feel like I need the break mentally, but then can't do it, gets dragged back in because of all the information around. I say information in quotes. And then you know, by the time the season comes, you're already exhausted. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe just me. Um, let's uh, let's get some of your thoughts on where you guys were. Um, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Let us know where you guys were when that came out, because a few of you um, have commented on that. Latvian Guna says the mystery of not knowing at that time was the best part and the shock when you read it in the newspaper or heard it on the radio. Um John Daly says he was 17 working at home base and he bet a friend £100 we would win the league. And we did. And he was given £100, which was a lot of money back in those days. It was indeed. Andy Jackson was at a pro slash celeb golf tournament when Campbell signed. And the first people to tell me were Lee Dixon, Gary Lineker and Hale and Pace. <laughs> uh, Just Joe, uh, check him out. Great YouTube channel. Uh, Leeds fan is Joe. Um, brilliant guy. Check it out. His channel. You can click on his name in the comments. It should take you straight there. Uh, it says Cfax was the one. Remember Bamboozle. Wow. Bamboozle. Um, Kenny says uh, it is technology, just like VAR. It killed the excitement of goals. Uh, Rob says um, I was on holiday in Italy with Spurs fans. Suddenly my phone went crazy when I got back to the beach and told them it screwed up the rest of their holiday and I didn't mind the £400 uh, for a week phone bill. <laughs> brilliant stuff. Um, brilliant stuff. Um, Gunnar Shabs was, uh, was in a holiday resort in Turkey when Campbell signed and had banter with the Spurs and Everton fans at the bar. Uh, Fluff uh, was driving a truck home from Scotland on the M1, heard it on the radio um, and was hopping up and down, smacking um, the steering wheel and cheering. <laughs> it's amazing. Like, but that's that's what I'm talking about, right? So here we go. Here's another one. Look, Ed, my dad came by our house and it's all he could talk about. See, you can't do that now. You, you wouldn't get that now. Every single one of you that I've asked remembers where they were when that news broke and how it made them feel. 
I guarantee you in 10 years time, if I ask you where you were when you heard that Declan Rice was announced, you won't remember because the buildup has diluted the excitement and it's changed it dramatically. So that that's that's an example of, of what I'm talking about here. Um, Abdi says the Vieira signing last summer excited me as it came out of the blue. Imagine we signed Rice out of nowhere. The feeling would be indescribable. Yeah, like when you get stuff out of the blue, it is exciting. The, the Vieira one was good, but obviously it's not, you know, the cap, former captain of your rivals or whatever. Um, so it's a little bit different, but I get what you're saying. Like, you know, when something comes out of the blue, it, it does add to the excitement and it does add to the buzz and it it gives you something to, to be excited about. Martin says not much will compare with the Ozil signing. Um, Ed says the last time I had to remember where you were was with Ozil. Yeah, that one was exciting too. Um, but there wasn't weeks and weeks of build up to that. And that was kind of just before the era I'm talking about now. I remember at the time we were all glued to Sky Sports News, weren't we, during the Ozil thing. Nowadays, I don't think that many people are sort of glued to Sky Sports News all day because they can get the information quicker, earlier, directly from the sources um, via social media. And then maybe they jump over to a channel like that to get that little bit more coverage, that little bit more depth etc etc um the Ozil one was good but it wasn't as good as the Sol Campbell one I, I don't think anyone has, has been uh, of that level not for me personally anyway uh, but yeah 22 years ago we took Tottenham's captain he went on to win the double and um and become an invincible as well um you could say that he made the right choice couldn't you I think that's fair to say anyway um Let's uh, just quickly touch on Cesc Fabregas's retirement before we take some of your questions and thoughts from the live chat. Start dropping them in the chat box. If you've got any questions, put a queue at the beginning. It just helps me to pick them out that little bit easier. Cesc Fabregas, of course, over the weekend announced his retirement from playing the game. Um, and this was met with a mixed response from the Arsenal fan base, I would say. There were some that were very complimentary of, of Cesc Fabregas and and how he performed for Arsenal Football Club. There were others that, you know, I think are still hurt by the way that he left. And, and this is where I'm at on it. You know, Cesc Fabregas was one that i got to say I fell in love with. You know, young player, really technically gifted, really intelligent, fearless in everything he did, always in people's faces in terms of referees or, or into... Uh, opponents, even as a 16, 17, 18-year-old, um, a leader at Arsenal Football Club very early on in his career. You know, I loved what Cesc Fabregas represented. And, I, and when he came through, I, I was in awe of him and he became quite quickly my favourite player at Arsenal Football Club. He was absolutely top draw. He really, really was. Obviously, things soured with the way he left and I remember feeling really sort of betrayed by the way that Cesc Fabregas engineered that move away to Barcelona because there were a few factors you know a he sort of made it very clear that he wanted to go and wasn't playing ball didn't stay um 100% professional in my opinion which obviously was a mark against his name in my books and, and in the books of many Arsenal supporters. Um, 
And obviously the fact that he only wanted to go to Barcelona kind of screwed the club a little bit because there was nobody else to sell him to. There was no way of us creating the bidding war that we maybe needed to get better value or, or at least the value that Cesc Fabregas was worth. Instead, you know, he dug his heels in um, and he wanted to go to Barcelona and that's where he was only going to go. That was the only place he was going to go and it killed us. Um, it killed us to lose him. There was a part of me at the time that felt, as I say, really betrayed, really disappointed and really let down. Over time, I came to understand why he wanted to make that move. Arsenal as a football club were going the wrong way. Um, and I think when we look back, we can all agree on that now. Arsenal were moving in the wrong direction. Barcelona at the time were the best team in club football by about a country mile. And not only that, it was his team. It was his club. He was a youngster brought up there. That was the team he supported growing up, all the rest of it. And I think if the shoe were on the other foot, if it was a, a young North Londoner who was playing his football in Spain and desperately wanted to come to Arsenal because that's his club, that's where he grew up, all the rest of it. And Arsenal happened at that time to be the best team in world football. I think we'd all go, come on, let him come, let him come. So I am conscious that, you know, there is two sides to this. And I am conscious of the fact that, you know, Arsenal, as I say, weren't moving in the right direction and, and there wasn't really any footballing reason for Cesc Fabregas to stay rather than take that move on. I've seen people say that, you know, he his career never got to the heights it could have or should have after he left Arsenal. I think that's nonsense. He won the World Cup, he won the European Championships, um, you know, won European trophies at different clubs, won the Premier League. Would he have done all of that at Arsenal, given where we were and, and where we were heading at that point? Probably not. I love Cesc Fabregas as a player. When I listen to him, I'm always intrigued when he speaks now. I think he's really intelligent. I think he's going to make a great coach. Um, and when I listen to him speak about the sort of the events leading up to his move to Chelsea, I do feel a little bit sorry for him because I do think he tried to get back to Arsenal, but obviously that offer wasn't on the table. Um, and uh, and in the end, he ended up joining Chelsea. And listen, he's a professional footballer. He's going to want to go to a competitive side. The London thing was a big thing for him. Um, all the rest of it. Yeah, I Yeah, I think um, for me, you know, I, I don't even know what the words are to, to describe this. Like I'm, I'm sort of processing it in my head as I'm speaking right now. Like love Tess Fabregas from the beginning. Really disappointed with the way he left. Over time, I come to understand why he left. Um, he did hit. Sir Alex Ferguson, as John points out, with a pizza in the tunnel, which makes him kind of an Arsenal legend by default uh, anyway. Um, but yeah, it's hard to have full love for him, if that makes sense. Um, but then over the years that were to follow, we started to see other players doing exactly the same thing. We saw Robin Van Persie go to Man United. We saw Alexis Sanchez go to Man United. We saw, um, you know, Sami Nasri want to get out. And when four, five, six players are, are doing that, then, yeah, you can ask questions of their character and, and of their loyalty and all of the rest of that. Sure. But I think you have to ask questions of your football club, your football club that clearly weren't breeding the type of environment that these players felt they could succeed in. And that was a big thing for me. And I think at the time I didn't want to accept that because I am Arsenal I'm Arsenal through and through and, you know, nothing else matters. But, you know, in time, you come to sort of be able to assess these things with a clearer head. And I think ultimately 
looking back on it, I can understand why Fabregas and others wanted to move on. They were some of the biggest talents in European football and Wenger deserved a lot of praise for discovering them, bringing them through, all the rest of it. But if the club couldn't offer them what they needed in order to be competitive and to challenge for the game's biggest trophies, then there was going to come a time where we were probably going to lose them. And unfortunately, that time came. The Cesc Fabregas-Barcelona love affair, it was always there. Um, and um, and I think just that, plus the fact that they were head and shoulders above everyone else in terms of their class at the time, made it impossible for us. But no ill feeling towards Cesc anymore. Um, I was bitter about it at the time. I'm over it now. Um, and now I can look back at it without having my judgment clouded by those things and just appreciate what a top quality player he was. And you only need to look at some of the clips that were going around over the weekend once his retirement was announced to remember um, just how good a player he was. Snake, some people will say that. That's your opinion. Fine. Not a problem. Um, disappointing um, in terms of the way he left. No question about that. But I can kind of understand it as well um and kind of understand it as well so um yeah it's water under the bridge as far as i'm concerned wish him well in his retirement fantastic footballer and i'm sure he'll go on to be a successful coach in the end as well okay um let's take some of your questions from the live chat um mohammed says uh, we have signed three players realistically how many more incomings do you expect from edu and arteta before the window shuts down so our members piece of content, which is coming out later today on the Another Slash platform, is, is a look into Arsenal's three-phase summer transfer plan. I'm not going to go into detail because then what would be the point in you listening to that episode? But um, I think that we are probably going to add one more between now and the end of the summer. And that's assuming that Rice and Timber are in the door already. So I, I think four is about what I'm expecting to come in. Um, what position that will be in, I'm not entirely sure. And I'll explain in the members bit of content how I think what Arsenal move for next will be determined, because I do think there is a real um, clear plan slash process uh, in place that they're wanting to follow. Um, but I do think that four players is probably about right with regards to what we're going to get in. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Do, 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 do. Sorry, just scrolling through. Um, the chat's been popping off on the whole uh, Cesc Fabregas thing. Is he a snake? No, he's not a snake, blah, blah, blah. Um, John Daly says, remember when Cesc came up against Vieira at Highbury, that Juventus I couldn't get close to him. One of the best individual performances in the Champions League for Arsenal, wasn't it? Um, unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, really, really was. Uh, Trini Gunas says... Um, this is a very cathartic discussion. Which player exit hurt you the most as an Arsenal fan? For me, it was Robin Van Persie. Um, oh, yeah, I think the Van Persie one hurt me more as well, uh, more than Fabregas. Because as I've said, Fabregas was going back to his boyhood club. I could understand the appeal there. Plus, they were bloody amazing um, at the time. OK, Man United were a better side than us at the time that Robin Van Persie went. Obviously, they went on to win the Premier League title with him uh, in his first in his first season. But the Van Persie one hurt me because I felt like he owed Arsenal more uh, than Fabregas did. So Fabregas came through 16 years old, brilliant, set the place on fire, was in the team 
um, because he was good enough and obviously pushed on and on and on and on. And then he got to the point where he'd hit the ceiling at Arsenal and he wanted to smash through that glass and got to the next level. And, and unfortunately, we lost him. Van Persie in the last, I think, two or three seasons before he left was excellent. Really unbelievable. And probably at the time, one of the best, if not the best, certainly in the top three centre forwards in world football. His technique was exquisite. His ability was uh, unrivaled in so many ways. His intelligence, you know, his movement. He wasn't particularly quick, Robin Van Persie, but he'd always be able to get half a yard of space and cause problems. And he could score from all sorts of angles. Unbelievable footballer. But the beginning of his Arsenal career was hampered by injuries. It really, really was. You've got to remember as well, at the time Arsene Wenger brought him over from Feyenoord, he was facing some really serious allegations. And Arsene Wenger took that gamble. Arsenal Football Club took that gamble um, to bring him in, despite all of that, gave him opportunities, allowed him to recover and rest when he was going through um, you know, lots and lots of injury problems without ever kicking him to the curb, all the rest of it. Um, and so I just felt that when it come to the point where Arsenal was struggling a little bit, Van Persie, probably more than Fabregas, probably more than Thierry Henry, just owed the club that little bit more loyalty. I don't have a problem with him going. I had a problem with him going to Man United. Um, I do think he'd he'd got better than Arsenal at that point, and he was carrying us for a good couple of seasons. No question about that. But it was the Man United thing that killed me. Now, Fabregas going to Barcelona hurt, but it was Barcelona. Completely different kettle of fish to somebody joining Man United, in my opinion. So, um, yeah, uh, that that one for me, Robbie Van Persie, is, is certainly right up there. Okay. Um... Rob says, a break in Emirates tours cancelled today. Presser at West Ham at 2 p.m. We touched on this a little bit earlier on in the show. Um, lots of uh, screenshots going around from the Arsenal website with uh, tours not being available. Uh, Rumours online of a press conference going on at West Ham a little bit later on. Um, I don't know that that's 100% true at this stage. I know that's that's the rumour and I know that's what's going around. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not 100% sure that those things... Certainly, the well, the tour thing is the tour thing, but it just says club activity. We don't know what that is. That could be anything. It could be a commercial shoot. It could be, you know, anything. Um, the, with the West Ham press conference, has that been confirmed? Has anyone uh, confirmed that? Let's have a quick glance onto the Twitter sphere now. Uh, let's search it. West Ham. Let's see if we get any hits. Uh, West Ham press conference. See what we got. Just unverified reports um, going around. So unverified reports that West Ham are holding a press conference at 2 p.m. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. Um, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but yeah, that's um, that's that bit. Um, are Arsenal going to announce anything today? Are they filming to announce something uh, over the, the coming days, uh, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, John Daly says, how do you put up with Boovy? <laughs> Boovy's the best in the business as a, when it comes to wind-up merch, and he really, really is. Um, now, look, we're friends. He's a good guy. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think some of his takes are wild, but, you know, that doesn't mean um, that I don't respect the guy as a guy. I think he's a, a really top guy. Um, how many times am I going to say guy in a sentence? But, yeah, I've worked with Boovy for a long time uh, on different platforms, and, um and I, and I know what he's all about. I know what he's all about. I can handle it. I can handle it. Um, right. 
I think I'm going to leave it there. Um, going to dash. Got a meeting at midday, which I need to uh, jump onto. But I will speak to you all uh, very, very soon. Uh, as soon as we get an announcement or any major piece of news, then I'll be right here. Um, I'm working today from home, which makes that much easier um, in terms of being responsive. We're going to be bringing you content throughout the week as we have been. Uh, don't forget to leave a like on the video if you haven't done so already. Uh, there's no reason why we shouldn't have at least 300 likes on the board. Like all the rest of it. Subscribe as well if you haven't done so already because uh, we are getting closer and closer. We, we're sort of tiptoeing towards that 30,000 mark on YouTube alone. Doesn't include all the amazing people that listen on audio. That's an estimated... I don't know how many thousands on there as well. So just looking at the download numbers, because we believe it or not, the Chronicles of Aguna is still bigger in podcast format than it is on YouTube, um, which is amazing. So when you think about that and you think about the size of this overall community, it is unbelievable. Um, so a big thanks to everyone for their support. Um, if you are watching and you're not subscribed, what are you waiting for? Subscribe, like, share, all the rest of it. Get involved in the comments. And I'll see you all very, very soon. Uh, blessed to everyone. And I will see you all when I see you. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler. And you're listening to Harry Simeon.